a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul. Whatever thou be, until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hi, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. Hello, sir. We are in October, spooky season, official. Did you mean to say spoopy season? It could be, yeah, spooky and spoopy season. Hmm. <laughs> I, uh, I'm watching Midnight Mass now, getting into it, that oh, new yeah. horror series on Netflix. Really like it. I heard you listening or watching it in bed a little bit before I went to sleep, and mm-hmm. it just felt like my Catholic upbringing. Is there a lot of... Oh, yeah. It's it's very, very religious. Okay. Uh, interesting. And uh, yes, and uh, Catholicism plays a part in it. I'm mm-hmm. only halfway through the uh, the series, but it's really well done so far. Okay. Well, let me know if you have any questions about how that works. Okay. okay. Um, I also will not watch that because it's the way I feel about like stigmata. Mm-hmm. It just... It's so... Uh, while I'm not a practicing Catholic in any capacity any longer, it yeah. still gives me a different kind of deep scare mm-hmm. because it's it's something from my childhood that is yeah. so deeply ingrained somewhere in my subconscious sure. that I'm out. 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 I bet it's good. I it bet it's great. Good. So, and there's a bunch of new horror movies. We just watched The Conjuring again on the This fun. Looks Awesome watch party. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this time of year, it's gray and rainy out today. It's just a good time of year for horror. Agreed. Uh, uh, for new goodies at badmagicmerch.com still promoting the limited edition merch for the Moment House digital experience happening Thursday, October 28th 6pm Pacific Time the first annual Scared to Death Live Haunted Halloween True Tales of Hallow's Eve Horror Woohoo! Uh, the merch will no longer again be on sale once Halloween's over and November has begun Mm -hmm. four different awesome t-shirts two different hoodie designs 15 ounce mug long sleeve tee blanket even a trick or treat tote bag I think you have the mug Oh, yeah. I'm drinking out of the mug right now, which it's full. It's very full. So I'm careful with how I – and I'm holding my book. It says horror. Yeah. And I, can't, I, I can't really showcase it that well or I'll spill everything. Fair. Um, I like it because it feels like workplace appropriate if mm-hmm. you're back in the workplace. I mean, oh, yeah. It just says horror, but, yep. you know. Yeah. I like the, the double – what is that? Double – The double entendre? I think that's the word. Isn't that what it would be? No, because it's not anything sexual. It just says horror. Right, but... Horror sounds like horror. I know, that's what but, I'm saying. But that's not a double entendre. Oh, well, the implication is like, oh, horror. It can be. That's why it's funny. <laughs> okay. Is that how comedy works? <laughs> that's not what I meant. I just meant like <laughs> about that specific thing. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, very cool collection. Very cool collection. Uh, and now our show... Um, oh, yeah, and, and uh, sorry, actually before that, tickets to the show of the uh, Hallow's Eve Horror Available at badmagicmerch.com. Perfect. And now for our wait, what am I? I left I left like one sentence in my notes that I didn't move. Yeah. And it just threw me. It's like, and now for our show. And I'm like, like nope. Ah. A little yeah. bit more. Uh for the for the October Bad Magic Charity of the Month, we'll be donating somewhere around fifteen thousand four hundred. We'll Dang. Know, we'll know yeah. We'll That's know, so much money. Yes, it's awesome. Good job, you guys. Good job, all of our patrons. Uh we'll know the exact amount a few weeks after this episode. Uh to, we're gonna donate to Rain, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. Cool. Um, America's largest anti sexual violence organization. 
And uh, Rain created and operates the National Sexual Assault Hotline, uh, 1-800-656-HOPE, online.rain.org. They have a, a live chat. And they do all kinds of stuff. We decided on this charity after talking about the recent Jehovah's Witnesses uh, episode on Time Suck. Mm-hmm. I've gotten so many emails from those who, uh, you know, were continually sexually abused, often because of the organization's unconscionable two-witness rule. They're a fantastic organization, this uh, Rain, with a 24-hour hotline. Yeah, 24-hour live chat, so much more. We love to help organizations that actively help others. Mm-hmm. So go to Rain. that's two N's, dot org to learn more. Yeah, we've been talking about the Gabby Petito case, which, you know, mm. we record in advance. So by the time you guys hear this, who knows what the update will be? Yeah. We were talking about it with Monroe last night. And I, I just think that that charity also um, plays into that because, yeah. you know, that was very clearly a domestic abuse, violence, assault situation. Yeah. And I know very little about that. I, I just heard you guys. I haven't looked into it at all. Yeah. It's but really hearing sad. you guys talk about it last night. Um, yeah, you and Monroe and yeah, a yep. couple mm-hmm. of my friends are really following it closely and mm-hmm. yeah, it's just awful. Yeah. Uh, okay. How much horror do you have for us today, Lindsay? I have two hoes. I mean, two, <laughs> two horror tales. Two horror hoes? I have two horror hoes and, <laughs> uh, let's see. What will I be talking about? Oh yeah. Well, when we get to my part, I have mm-hmm. to talk about what happened to me yesterday. Oh yes. A very, very scary and I'm going to say definite encounter with the other side that I'm still recovering from. And we've been so busy with kid stuff and work stuff that we actually haven't really talked about it. No, not so, really. So yeah, be for in, new to me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I have a tale called The White Woman about huh? a little, uh, it's a long tale actually. I have a big tale up top about a constant visitor uh, that I think is really spooky. And then I have a really quick one about... Um, Something that comes into a house in a in a scenario in which we've all been in, where it's like you're kind of like half asleep, you're half awake, you think yeah. it's your partner, but like, what if it's not? Ooh, okay. So it's very like, I put myself in their position, and thought, oh my god, that has happened to me a hundred times. Okay, th- those sound those sound good. Yeah, sound good. I'm excited about the, these ones too. We have uh, I have two. Uh, the second is known as the Barini haunting, set somewhere in New England. Uh, a family encounters the ghosts of some ancestors and something else, an unknown, seemingly malevolent spirit. Uh, the first is a longer one, the story of what first appears to be a small town's urban legend. And then, according to the poster, uh, ends up being tragically true. Hmm. Don't normally give trigger warnings because we talk about so many dark things here. Um, it could essentially be some kind of trigger warning every show. But this first story does feature an especially brutal suicide. Oh, oh. Uh, I, I've... Uh, yeah, like one of the wor- worst ones I've told in a while. And for the creeps, those of you who just can't get enough horror, I think you're really going to like it. It's just going to it's going to linger for a bit. Okay. Not the suicide, but the overall story. The overall story, sure. Um, are you ready to get good and scared? Uh, I am. I have on these great socks. I, I'm pretty sure that they were intended for you, but I stole them. They say oh, Halloween. Very cool. Hold on, wait. Let me just get my yeah, Halloween too. And then uh, Michael Myers. Michael. There he is. Oh, look at that's like a great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a new move I'm doing. <laughs> uh, let's get into it. Okay, let's do it. Uh, are you, okay, so this uh, we're just going to get... Um, uh, yep, sorry. This, this is from the poster. Uh, just I, I was going over two different stories yeah. this morning, and we had like a charity step, so I didn't go over things at the last second like I normally do. I know. And they're from before, so I'm like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. That's okay. That happened to me, too, when I was yeah. talking about my stories, because yeah. I was building out two episodes yesterday, yep. but then like we were autographing books and right. dealing Very with kids' day. stuff. It was just like one of those days where it's disconnected, and yeah. I also normally reread everything the morning <laughs> of. Monroe overslept this morning. It's just like, ah! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anybody who uh, has a life gets it. Yep. 
Busy, we're busy bees. Yep, everybody's busy. True. Okay, so uh, this is from this person's perspective. So this is that's why I'm using the first person here. I used to love horror stories, tales of haunted houses, monsters, demons, disturbing urban legends, all of it. My dad loved that kind of stuff too. And growing up, it was such a fun thing for us to bond over. Until our last horror experience, of course. I'll make that clear soon. Outside of horror movies, we didn't have a lot of interest in common. And that made our mutual love of horror extra special. It was our thing. I wish it still was. I wish it was still here. Now all I can think of when I think of horror stories is that they're just not all stories. I think of my dad and how one of the monsters he used to tell the story of was not only real, but took him from me. And if that monster is real and can do what it did, what other monsters are real and what can they do? It's been years since I've watched a scary movie or TV series or read a scary book, watched a YouTube video, anything. I even tried to spend Halloween nights somewhere light, warm, and fun, like a spa in some place sunny. After I finished typing out the story and uploading it to some vast sea of servers where maybe it will, it will live forever, I'll be totally done with all horror forever. But I'm not so sure it'll be done with me. Time now for the tale of We Simply Must Be Going Now. I grew up in a small, spooky town, way off the beaten path. A hundred or so years before I went to school there, the town was really something special. The population was a good ten times bigger than the seven or eight hundred people who lived there when I was a kid. It was once a big stop on two different railroads. There used to be several large, rich silver mines in the mountains just outside of town. There was a big lumber mill, even a handful of manufacturing plants. One of the bigger ones made high-end hardwood furniture. Another made a few specialized steel parts, first used in trains, and then later tractors and other big pieces of heavy machinery. But then eventually, the mine stopped producing. The family that ran the furniture-making company retired and moved out of the area. The train tracks saw less and less traffic. The steel parts place shut down because it was cheaper to get the parts from overseas, and it eventually became too expensive to ship lumber out of the area. Times change, and not always for the better. Most of all the good jobs left, and most of the good families left with them. My mom was a school teacher, my dad worked doing maintenance work for the city, so they were both able to stay. And then my mom died in a car accident when I was only three, and my dad still stayed and never remarried. We had no other family in town. My dad and I, he and my mom's only child, we stayed in a little town full of all kinds of boarded up shops and big brick abandoned buildings, powerful reminders of better times. Also powerful reminders of how things don't always work out like you planned. At night, my hometown, a town full of so many abandoned old houses, shops, factories, etc., it truly looked like the perfect place to film a horror movie. It felt like one. The creepiest building was, and still is, I have to imagine, the old doll factory. The couple that owned the factory died a few decades before I was born. Double suicide. Kind of. Or maybe not. The way I heard it, they were both found in their bed, laying side by side on their backs, heads perfectly propped up on their pillows, and a note on the nightstand that read, We simply must be going now. I say maybe it was a double suicide because no drugs were found anywhere in their home, no empty bottle of sleeping pills, and the rumor was, at least when I was growing up, that the coroner didn't find anything unusual in their bloodstreams or stomachs. What kind of suicide note is that? Officially, they died of natural causes, but the stories I heard made it seem like their deaths were not natural at all. They were both in their early 50s. They'd both appeared to have been fine earlier that day that they died. They'd eaten together at Hal's Diner down the street from their old doll factory that, that evening after work, like I guess they always did on Friday nights. No one remembered them acting unusual. And then they were just found dead side by side in their bed the next day, supposedly holding hands and lay next to that weird note. 
Oh, and creepiest of all, both had their eyes open and a look of horror on their faces. After they died, the doll factory basically immediately shut down. It only had a handful of employees by that point anyway. If that tragedy hadn't have happened, the factory probably would have closed down sometime in the next few years anyway. Then after closing, the old doll factory just sat there unused. It was never sold. The rumor was that their kids received it jointly in the parents' will and that they just really didn't get along. They couldn't agree on what to do with the place. One wanted to lease it out. One wanted to sell it. Another supposedly wanted to renovate it, turn it into vacation condos or something. And because they couldn't agree, they fought, began to hate each other. And then they just entered this long, ongoing stalemate. And the building sat vacant year after year. And how creepy is this? It sits with a lot of the old dolls still inside. Mostly custom-made, hand-painted dolls of various sizes. When it was boarded up, the dolls were boarded up with it. And it fell into deeper and deeper state of disrepair over the next few decades. By the time I was in junior high, there were all kinds of creepy stories going around about the old doll factory. Sneaking into the old doll factory became a rite of passage. By the time I snuck in, a handful of teens in our town had been daring each other for years and years to break into the old doll factory and do stuff like spend the night, use a Ouija board, or as scariest of all to me, try to summon Anna's spirit. Get the fuck out. The dare stories that scared me the most were the ones about kids going into the employee bathroom in the basement, shutting the door, looking into the mirror, with only a single candle for light, and saying three times, We simply must be going now. We simply must be going now. We simply must be going now. Supposedly then, the ghost of Anna and her baby would appear. Anna was rumored to be a horrible spirit that killed those former owners. Anna was once a young woman who'd gotten pregnant back in the days of World War I. Her young boyfriend had been drafted into the war. Right before he left for training, they had a shotgun wedding, and she quickly got pregnant. Then when she was around seven or eight months pregnant, her pregnancy started making it difficult to work, almost impossible, how sick she constantly felt. She was basically forced to take maternity leave, unpaid maternity leave. This was devastating news to Anna because being very poor with the baby on the way, she was barely making ends meet already with her low-paying factory work. How would she be able to provide for her child? Then right after she got laid off, she got much, much worse news. Her young husband would be returning home from the war, but only in a pine box. Anna, distraught, now came into the toy factory, begged for her old job back, but she just wasn't able to perform her duties, and after having some kind of loud breakdown in the owner's office, she was let go, for good. She had to be escorted out of the factory. And then no one saw her for the next couple of weeks. She didn't even show up at her husband's funeral. And then one unforgettable Monday, Anna showed up again at the factory, an appearance that would be burned into the brains of anyone who saw her in the worst of ways. According to local lore, with her hair all done up like she was going to church and her finest Sunday dress on, Anna waltzed in and greeted all the factory workers, all women with the war still going on, with her new baby. They were already gathering towards the front of the factory before she walked in because screams could be heard from outside the factory walls. Now they knew why people were screaming. The stunned factory workers let out gasps of varying degrees before falling, stunned into silence. After a few moments, an older woman's scream fell down to her knees, sobbing. Some versions of the story say the shock of what she witnessed gave her a heart attack and she died. Anna stood before them, holding her baby, a little girl, to her chest, and the baby was most definitely dead. There was blood everywhere, running down Anna's legs to the ground beneath her, the umbilical cord still connected mother and child. The baby's chest cavity had been crudely torn open and emptied of its organs. Anna held her baby's heart in her hand. She told the factory workers in a trembling voice, Her death broke my heart. So I broke what was left of hers. 
Her baby, they surmised, had been born stillborn. They figured out later she gave the birth entirely alone, and this tragedy stacked on other tragedies broke her, and she'd gone mad. And then one of the factory owners, now coming from his office, the man who would be later found dead in his bed, Anna sees him, her eyes grow wild, she points at him and screams, You did this! I told you I couldn't take care of my baby! You did this to me! I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat, my baby died! You killed us both! And then according to the urban legend, she said, We simply must be going now then took out a small 38 caliber revolver and quickly shot herself in the temple. And ever since, Anna's ghost has supposedly haunted the old doll factory. When she appears, in one hand her apparition still clutches her infant's tiny heart, in her other she holds a mutilated baby, the umbilical cord hanging off it still. People who told me the story as a kid said, if you saw her and her baby, you'd also see the baby's dead eyes open staring into your soul. And if you say we simply must be going now into that basement bathroom mirror three times and she shows up behind you, you risk being found lying dead in your bed just like those owners. That was a story I heard. When I asked my dad about it, he told me he'd heard it too. I asked him if he'd ever been dared into going to the old factory and talking into the mirror when he was a kid, and he said that he did. Goosebumps covered my arms. I wasn't surprised though. I told you my dad loved horror. I asked him if he'd seen the ghost of Anna and her baby. He said no, but he told me something scary had happened. He said when he finished saying we simply must be going now for the third time, he immediately felt the presence of something in the room with him, something behind him. He thought he saw a shadowy shape. Just for a second, he got scared, shut his eyes, and he blew out the candle he was holding. He said that if there really was something in the room with him, he didn't want to get a good look at it. He didn't want to see the baby's eyes. I interrupted him at this point. I thought that he for sure was just messing with me, just trying to scare me with another one of his ghost stories like he often did. Nope. He said he was as serious as a heart attack, and I believed him. He looked genuinely scared just telling this story. He jumped back in and said that as he stood there in the dark bathroom, still, fe- still feeling like someone else was there with him, he scrambled to find the door, terrified as he opened it, thinking this other thing would slam it shut at any moment. And then once out, he turned on his flashlight and stifled a scream. As he walked forward towards the stairs to get out, as he swung his flashlight all around in front of him, all of the old dolls in sight still laying around the factory seemed to be staring at him. Or actually, worse, they seemed to be staring right behind him at something there with him. My dad said he was so worried that if he turned around, he'd see Anna's ghost that he ran up and out of the basement, up to the first floor, then out the unlocked front door. When he ran across the main floor, he said that again, every doll he saw seemed to be staring at him or right behind him. After finishing his story, when my dad saw how scared now I was, he immediately regretted telling it. He was worried he was going to give me nightmares. And although I didn't tell him because I didn't want to make him feel bad, that story did give me nightmares. Then a couple years later, when I was a sophomore in high school, a friend and I were dared to do what he had done on the Friday before Halloween. Rather than try to hide what I was going to do from my dad, I told him. We always had that kind of relationship, no secrets. And then the night that my friend and I were supposed to do it, she chickened out. I told my dad I still wanted to go, and he said, no way to me doing it alone. He said, a better, smarter dad wouldn't have even agreed to letting me go with my friend. It was technically illegal. Not that the current owners would have current owners would ever know or care and not that the police really patrolled that place but it was breaking and entering and who knows who could be inside maybe some dangerous vagrant or something and then jokingly i asked him why don't you come with me and do it again dad unless you're too scared and to my great surprise after pausing for a moment he said okay okay let's go i asked him are you sure 
And he told me that he thought a lot about that night he went in long ago, and he always wondered if something had really been there, or if it was just in his imagination. Did those dolls really look behind him, or was he just so worked up he saw something that didn't really happen? He said he'd feel better uh, knowing that, you know, I was safe if he went with me. And also he'd feel better if he could tell himself that the stuff he felt and saw when he was a kid was just all in his head. Just an urban legend. How I now wish that was true. We got a big long candle and a book of matches, some flashlights to use to find the old bathroom and get back out. And we headed out. Me kind of hoping to see something terrifying, but not really. And my dad definitely not wanting to see anything other than a beat up old factory and a few creepy dolls. Soon we were parking my dad's old Datsun pickup truck in the factory's parking lot downtown at the end of First Avenue on the edge of the little downtown area. And then he walked, uh, and then we walked to the front door in darkness. The old doll factory didn't have any lights on, hadn't since it closed, and neither did its old parking lot. When we made it to the front door, it was unlocked just like it had been 25 years earlier when my dad had snuck in. We opened the door, stepped inside, and my dad shut the door behind us. And then we turned on our flashlights, swung them around, scoping the place out. Whoa, it's exactly like I remember it, my dad said. So, so many dolls. I'd learned later these dolls are called composition dolls. They started making them in the late 1800s, produced them up until the 1950s. The composition referred to is generally a mixture of glue and sawdust. Makes sense since there was a lumber mill nearby, plenty of cheap sawdust to haul over and use. Heavier, denser, more durable than paper mache. Composition also easily molded and good material to make dolls heads out of. Plastic would, of course, come around and be better, cheaper, more moldable, stronger, more durable, and then bye-bye composition dolls. Thank God. I don't ever want to see another one again as long as I live. The arms and legs of the dolls in this old doll factory were made of composition too, and then a torso made of cloth, and a hand-sewn little dress if it was a mama doll, or a hand-sewn baby clothes if it was a baby doll. There, was a lot, there wasn't a lot of them laying around. My dad figured most had been stolen over the years, but there were still quite a few in various states of assembly. Glass eyes staring out in the distance endlessly. Most disturbing were the doll heads missing their eyes. Maybe they hadn't been put in yet when the factory shut down. The combination of mama and baby dolls made me think about Anna and the story of her showing up with her dead baby. I shivered. My dad asked, are you sure you want to do this? Knowing what I know now, of course, I'd go back and tell him no, but that's not what happened. I ignored the sinking feeling in my stomach, told him I was good. Let's do it. We walked over to the stairs to the basement, both of us whirling our flashlights all over the place, not seeing anything paranormal, but seeing plenty of creepy dolls. I tried to memorize the position of every doll we walked past, so when we left, I'd know if they were truly, truly watching us or not. We walked down the stairs slowly, pausing every few steps to look around with our flashlights, listen for any sounds. You spooked? My dad asked. Yeah, I said without hesitation. He laughed a nervous laugh and then quickly added, yeah, me too. This place is even creepier than I remembered. At least creepier than it was when I walked in last time. I thought about that woman again, Anna. What if we actually saw her? We made our way 50, or feet or so, 50 feet or so to the bathroom door. It was open. And shining a light in from a distance, you could tell right away that the mirror was still there. It was hard for me to keep the light steady at this point. I was freaking out inside. We headed over, went inside, shut the door. It was so dirty. The toilet had probably been dry for decades now. The water long evaporated. The bowl stained beyond belief. The lid gone. The back of the toilet badly cracked. The sink, of course, filthy too. The porcelain sink broken on the ground below the mirror uh, had one long crack running through it in the middle. Otherwise fine other than being filthy. 
all over the walls was graffiti, some of it people's names, some stuff like I saw Anna and lived, creepy stuff like stay away from the dolls, I saw them move, some 666s, some upside down crosses. The most unsettling phrase, of course, written all over the place, we simply must be going now, often bunched up in groups of three. You get the candle? Yeah, I said. Well, I got the matches, kiddo. Let's do this and get out of here. My dad then lit the candle. We looked at each other, nodded, turned off our flashlights. We stared into that dirty, cracked mirror, the combination of the busted mirror distorting our features a bit, the flickering candlelight all over the place, eerie to say the least. Ready, he asked. I nodded. On three, he added, and then counted down. Three, two, one, and then together we both said aloud, We simply must be going now. We simply must be going now. We simply must be going now. And then the candle blew out, and I felt her, standing behind us. Don't turn your light on, my dad said. Let's just get out of here. Dad, I'm so sorry I didn't listen. The most sorry I can be. I have to know, I said, and still facing the mirror, I turned on my flashlight. It shone into the mirror, and there she was, Anna, her dress covered in blood, holding her dead baby, her chest cavity ripped apart, her eyes open, both Anna and her staring at us, Anna smiling. We stood frozen in horror, and then we both heard Anna say, you must stay with us, and I started screaming. So did my dad. We almost fell to the floor, bouncing into each other. We bolted out of that bathroom. We ran. Sure enough, we saw the dolls moving, watching right behind us. Anna and her baby must be following. We flew up the stairs, ran across the main floor again. The dolls had moved. I could see their heads turning as they followed us across the floor, still watching behind us. We barreled out the main door into the parking lot. Once we were a good 30 or 40 feet from the door and near my dad's truck, I stopped and spun around, pointing my flashlight at the door. And there she was. Anna. Standing to the threshold, her and her baby watching us, no longer smiling. And it looked like several dolls had gotten up and were standing behind her. I only saw that for a fraction of a second before my dad grabbed me, yelling, Get in the truck! I hopped in and my dad peeled out and threw some gravel around us as we shot out of the parking lot and raced back home. Neither one of us said a word until we were in the house, where again, without talking, we turned on all the lights. My dad locked the door, as if that would stop Anna if she wanted to come for us. Oh my God, I said, Dad, did all, just, did all that just really happen? Yeah, he said, yeah, I, th- I think it did. That was her years ago too when I didn't see her. It felt exactly the same. Want to crash in the living room with all the lights on? He asked for us in a week. It's all okay, smile. Yes, I said, so shake it up. Yes, yes, I do. We grabbed some blankets. He laid back in his recliner, laid on the couch. After watching a comedy, no more horror movies. We went to sleep. Love you, kiddo. We might be done with scary stuff, he said. Love you too, Dad. Yeah, I think so, I told him. Those were the last words he ever said. When I woke up in the morning, the sun shining through the living room windows, he wasn't in his chair. Immediately, I knew something was very wrong. I could sense it. Dad? I called out. Nothing. Louder now. Dad! Still nothing. I slowly walked over to his shut bedroom door, thinking, was, was it shut the night before? I don't think so. I knocked. Dad! Still Nothing. I turned the handle, pushed the door open, started screaming. My father laying on his back, head on his pillow, eyes open, face a mask of terror. He was dead, and on his nightstand was a scrap of paper. I didn't need to read it to know what it said. We simply must be going now. Oh my god. Yikes. That's an intense one, right? Oh, I don't like that. I also particularly don't care for the fact that I think we have a composition doll behind you. Yep. I have been hardcore staring at it. It didn't move, but I was like, are you moving? Is it not moving? I'm trying not to cry. My God damn it. (laughs) Wow. Okay. (laughs) 
Spook, okay. Spooked? I, yeah, I'm so uncomfortable right now. Uh, I, on top of like what happened to me yesterday, is, oh, yeah. I'm not in a good place. I have okay. Some, I have some pictures. Uh, this first one is, yeah, this is uh, composition dolls, what they look like, which is similar to the one behind me. Oh, yeah. Uh, this next one is what's called a mama doll. And then this- Mama m- doll looks like she's uh, had a rough go of it. <laughs> True. She, she looks like she had a bender. Baby doll's been crying all night. Uh, uh, this next one is a uh, baby doll. Composition, of course. And then this last one is a composition, you know, uh, head with no eyes. Just fucking yeah. creepy. No, I can't. I just can't. Oh, my God. Uh, I was going to take it out of there, but I think it'll fall apart. It's, pretty, mean, it's pretty You fragile. have to, like, move the bucket with it. Yeah. That's why it's in that. Well, we got, we got the pictures. I don't want to yeah. mess it up. It's, like, full of sawdust back there. It, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, the, yeah. it is, you know, I, I imagine very similar to what mm-hmm. they're talking about here. Okay, now he's at, like, a particularly weird angle. Okay, he's weirding you out? Well, yeah, because I can, like, half see his face. Be gentle. Gentle. Be nice. Be nice. Okay. I'm, I'm leaving him alone. Okay. And then if, I'm going to start positioning myself <laughs> in such a way where, like, I just don't, don't see, him. see him. I'm just going to do a little Yeek. scoot scoot. Okay. Joe, I'm sorry if I'm out of focus right now, but I just cannot. Unbelievable. <laughs> how, how, how far can I get away? Oh, you're good. Fine. Okay. I really I really need Dan to like slightly just like stay right there. That's okay. your new position. You, you are mostly blocking, blocking him. Except when you read, it yeah. creates a space. But I'll just start looking this way like a lot. It's fine. The fuck? I think that's going to be a lingerer. Wow. I mean, it's, it's so sad. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we've told a story with that kind of outcome. Yeah. Yeah, that's a dark one. It is really dark. It's really heavy. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly care for it. Yeek. Also, I was like, oh my God, I feel like we're telling all these stories. We're doing mm-hmm. all these things. I, We definitely had something in our house yesterday. And it's like, oh, is that how we go down? We're, like, we're like trying to prove that, you know, mm-hmm. oh, oh, we can handle it. I mean, I can't, but, <laughs> you know. I, I was actually imagining like you and Kyler because he's so skeptical. Oh yeah, and he just does not believe that any of that could be real or true. Or like mm-hmm. he's just such a science-minded kind of kid. Mm-hmm. He has zero ability to think outside of that. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, if you said to him like, hey, there's this, this, he'd be like, oh yeah, I'll go. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're writing down some stuff, but any of it uh, still pertain to... No, I got no. all my answers. Okay, okay. Oh, boy. Well, you ready to start trying to forget about Anna and the whole story? Yeah, are you going to tell me like a fun, light, happy story? No, but not as dark as that one. Okay. <laughs> That's about max dark, I think. That, I don't think it gets any darker than that. <laughs> right. Truly, between the, the stillborn, the uh, deceased soldier husband, yeah, the this... suicide, it's like the whole compilation of it is just awful mm-hmm oh welcome to october god bless america before we move on to a new england family's haunting uh time for an in-between story sponsor break thanks for listening to our sponsors creeps and peepers okay not much setup on this uh next shorter story okay just gonna you know kind of get right into it in the early 1980s the psychical uh, research Foundation. It's a weird word. I know. I, th- I was like, "Do you mean to say cyclical?" N- no, it's because it's psychic, and then they put. It actually is a word, psychical. 
Oh, uh, psychical. Like, no. Yeah, like psychic, I-C-A-L. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Yeah, but it's, it's uh, I think it's much more often read than said. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've heard it said aloud <laughs> ever. Maybe. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you clarified because I definitely was thinking, okay, cyclical. Yeah, it's not cyclical. Yeah, the yeah. psychical research. So uh, we're, into, we're at psychic level. I, yeah. I'm with you now. Uh, they were called in to investigate reports of some pretty intense ghost and poltergeist activity at a house somewhere in New England. What they witnessed is a terrifying tale of supernatural occurrences wrapped around a family mystery. We don't know the true identity of the people involved or even the exact location of the haunting. The foundation gave the family the pseudonym of Barini to protect their privacy. Time now for the tale of the Barini haunting. In 1979, after he and his wife Rosa married, Joe Barini made the decision to move Rosa and their two children into his ancestral home in New England. It was a large, beautiful old house with more than enough room for everyone. And best part of all, no mortgage, no rent. The move went smoothly, and soon the Barini family were well settled in. But then sometime in the next few days, Rosa was woken in the middle of the night by the voice of a child. And not the voice of one of her own, a younger child, a little girl. The voice spoke clearly and said, Mama, Mama, it's me, Serena. The fuck? Rosa was more confused than spooked. She got out of bed, made sure both of her children were asleep. They both were out hard, both in that state of deep slumber, generally only experienced by kids and or the utterly exhausted. She knew she hadn't been dreaming when she heard the voice, so who said it? Who was Serena? She didn't know any child of that name. The following day, Rosa's daughter Daisy had a doctor's appointment to have her tonsils removed, normally a very routine procedure, but something went horribly, dreadfully wrong this time, and there were complications. Daisy's blood pressure dropped, her pulse weakened, and then they couldn't bring it back up, and her heart stopped. She very nearly did not pull through. Luckily, her doctor and nurses were able to literally bring her back from the dead. She spent the next few weeks in the hospital recovering. It could have obviously been worse, but still, very understandably, a traumatic time for everyone involved. Months later, the spirit of Serena visited again. Again, Rosa is woken up in the middle of the night hearing a small girl's voice, Mama, Mama, it's me, Serena. The following day, Rosa's husband, Joe, receives a call to inform him that his grandmother had suffered a stroke and was in the hospital. The next time Serena is heard is the night before Joe's grandmother passes away. Rosa is now terrified to hear from her again. She believes her visitations to be some kind of bad omen. Joe is the one who would hear her next. He now awakes to the sound of a little girl screaming, Help me! Help me! It's me, Serena! Then he hears Rosa choking in her sleep beside him. Panicked, he shakes her awake. Thankfully, she comes round and starts to breathe again properly. Rosa then tells him that she's been having a terrible dream where her ex-husband is choking her. Now both Joe and Serena are scared to hear Serena again, or Joe and uh, Rosa are scared to see uh, Serena again. You know, was she more than an omen? Could she actually hurt them or worse? What would happen if she showed up again? Little did they know it wasn't just Serena's spirit they were sharing their home with. One day in 1981, less than two years after they moved in, Rosa was home doing some cleaning alone when she saw the apparition of a small boy in the upstairs hallway. Strangely, his appearance did not scare her. The little boy was dressed completely in white. Rosa described the encounter as leaving her with a feeling of peace. She claimed incredibly that the apparition stayed for roughly two hours and seemed to be desperately searching for something the entire time. Then he's gone. Then a week later, he's back. Rosa claimed she saw this little boy a second time still searching and this time she says he spoke to her. He turned to face her and said, Where do all the lonely people go? Where do I belong? Oddly, very similar to the lyrics of the Beatles song, Eleanor Rigby. 
Maybe he'd heard it before he passed away. That sentence broke Rosa's heart. Short time later, Joe also encountered the little boy. Again, the boy appeared to be in the hallway. As he watched uh, uh, the boy head into Rosa's room, the little boy settled on the spot on the floor, desperately searching for something, seemingly getting upset and frustrated. Once the little boy disappeared again, Joe went to the spot where he'd been sitting on the floor looking for something, pulled up the floorboards, and found an old medallion with the image of the Virgin Mary on it. What did all of this mean? Unsettled, unsurprisingly, by seeing and hearing ghosts in their home, Joe and Rosa now conducted some family inquiries to see if they could find out who these children were. They learned through some distant family that Joe's father, Carlos, had two younger siblings growing up that both died very young. His sister, Serena, had passed away at the tender age of five, and Giorgio, a younger brother, died when he was eight. The apparition of the boy Joe and Rosa saw looked like he could be Giorgio. Joe was shocked. His father had never mentioned either child. No one had. No one had ever showed him any old photos or anything. Next time the apparition of a little boy appeared to him, he didn't stay long, but very clearly said to Joe, my brother is the only one who can help me. Joe was now positive this was the ghost of his dead uncle, Giorgio. These experiences have haunted Joe. How did these two children, his aunt and his uncle, both die so young he couldn't ask his father because his dad was no longer around and no one else was willing to give any answers? What dark secrets had his family hidden? Ghosts were rarely happy spirits, he thought. He wondered, didn't almost all ghosts, especially children, suffer some kind of tragic death? Deaths they came back to, uh, you know, to seek some closure because of some kind of injustice. Why were, these ch- why were these two children's souls trapped in this house? Joe now decided to call in a priest. If his family wouldn't tell him what really happened, he could at least try and put the souls of these relatives to rest. Two priests soon came to his home and conducted a blessing. And as is so often the case with these initial blessings, at first the family thinks it's successful, and then they soon come to find out that the blessing actually had stirred up more paranormal activity. Soon, another, or after the blessing, the, the enti- another entity made its presence known in the house, a very different kind of entity, much scarier than the kids. Joe, Rosa, and their two kids all saw it. The entity appeared to the family as a hunchbacked male figure wearing what seemed to be some sort of black cape. The spirit, like Serena spoke, claimed to be a minister of God, but no one in the family believed that to be true. This phantom's appearance always brought with it feelings of fear and intimidation. Also, shortly after it first appeared, small objects began to be seen moving around on their own, and frightening sounds like the sounds of someone running across the roof were heard. And it wasn't just the Barinis who witnessed phenomena like this. Friends and neighbors who came over to visit also witnessed things they couldn't reasonably explain. Soon, larger objects began moving around on their own, like bookcases. Objects were being yanked out of Rosa's hand. Once the phone in the master bedroom floated up into the air, shot across the room, the activity continued to escalate and soon grew violent. Both children will later claim to have been struck by the larger male entity several different times. Rosa will claim to have been attacked as well. One day when she was down on her hands and knees cleaning the kitchen floor, she said the freezer door swung open on its own, hit her in the head hard, hard enough to draw blood. One evening, the activity escalated even further. In the middle of the night, Rosa says she was pulled from her bed by her ankles by an unseen force, suspended in thin air, and then dropped suddenly, crashing into the floor. Another night, Joe came home from work to find his wife huddled up in the corner of their bedroom, holding up a crucifix, staring at their bed, which was hovering in the air. They wanted to leave, but didn't know where they would go. They'd leave anyway after one more attack. The very next evening, Rosa was preparing dinner when a carving knife suddenly rose up into the air, slammed itself down onto the counter, just narrowly missing her hand. What if it had impaled her hand? What if it had landed in her neck? That was it. Joe and his family instantly packed up a few of their things, went to stay with relatives. Once out of the house, they called their priest again, who now conducted an actual exorcism of the house. 
and it seemed to have actually worked. By all accounts, the paranormal activity stopped. The Barinis no longer saw apparitions of any kind or suffered any more poltergeist activity. Afterwards, Joe Barina invited an investigation by the Psychical Research Foundation based in Durham, North Carolina. The organization is now the American Institute of Parapsychology based in Gainesville, Florida. The investigators were able to corroborate some of the Barini's claims through friends, neighbors, and their priest, all of whom testified that they too witnessed poltergeist phenomena in the Barini home. As far as I know, Joe never did find out what happened to his aunt and uncle. Or if he did, he also decided to keep that information as a family secret. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Surprising that they would move back in. Because I was thinking, even if the house was exercised, even if I felt like it was gone and it mm-hmm. felt good or whatever, the, I don't know. I don't know if I could go back and live there without being in constant looking over your shoulder of like, right. oh, God, when, when is it going to start again? Mm-hmm. Is it going to come back? But I guess if you have that faith and like trust in the exorcism process I or guess. something. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have that much faith in anything. Uh, I only have a, a couple photos. Okay. Uh, this first photo is, I, I assume it's that house. It shows up on a lot of different websites pertaining to the story, believed to be the ghost of Serena in the window there. So you can just kind of see like a little figure. Um, when I was looking on the computer a little more close up, it was easier to see kind her. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm, sitting in the bottom pane. Yeah, yeah. Little okay. face looking out. Uh, this next picture, a uh, picture of Serena. Uh, that's Serena Williams. Ha ha. Uh, nothing to do with this story, but she looks like a badass in that shot. I mean, she is a badass. Mm-hmm. And then last one. She's so ripped. <laughs> I know. That shoulder muscle is like, oh, my Deltoids, God. Yeah. And then last one, this is uh, this is Serena uh, from Bewitched. Very nice. Ran from 1964 to 1972, Elizabeth Montgomery. Thank you. She played a beautiful witch named uh, Samantha. But also, sometimes played Serena for diehard fans. You know, used her magic whenever she wanted. Mm-hmm. Didn't follow witch rules, dated mortals, that kind of thing. She'd do whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. She's a, a different kind of badass. Mm-hmm. Different kind of badass. Mm-hmm. So I felt like this Serena, you know, at least kind of related to Scared to Death on some level. I cannot believe you missed your chance to put up Serena Joy. Who's Serena Joy? Handmaid's I- Tale. Oh, I forgot that, that the character's name was Serena. Because I was actually looking for famous Serenas and basically... Just, well, I mean, her a, real name isn't Serena. It's her character name. Right. But. Dang it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Then you that would have been good. You would have had to listen to me talk about what kind of witch she is. <laughs> right, right. Such an evil, evil character. Yeah, yeah. Oh, when's that show coming back? I know. I don't think they've announced. I, I do hate that about streaming. Just like go off for a second. <laughs> uh, because once you're done you're done mm-hmm. and then it's such it's a, a long, long wait, wait. Mm-hmm. i know and if you wait too long you risk it being spoiled uh-huh because people put spoilers all over the place well and also like it just um you, sometimes you have to go back mm-hmm. start over rewatch it all then right. you're kind of a little bored so you're skipping through uh certain episodes and then you're like am i really even that invested mm-hmm. and then everybody starts talking about it you're reinvested then you don't know where to pick up it's mm-hmm. complicated we could be like the boomers now like back in my day People had to wait a week for each new episode, and they all got to watch it at the same time. Back in my day, we watched nine hundred two one zero on the same night at the same time. Mm-hmm. Back in my day, you know, I was allowed about to it. watch it, but you watch Monday nights. You talk about Tuesday mornings at the office at the water cooler. Mm-hmm. I don't even do they even have water coolers in offices anymore? Like, well, pre COVID, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know maybe that'll be a thing of the past. No, they'll have water coolers. Everybody will have like their own water dispenser at their desk. Ooh. Everyone's confined to their desks now oh, to man. avoid like. Cross contamination. Mm-hmm. Hey, while we're talking about shows, yeah, yeah. Mayor of Eastwood. Have you guys gotten Me? in on no. that one yet? Uh-uh. Okay, Ch- check really it out. Good? It's really good. Uh, what it's, kind? it's a drama. Drama. A drama. Mayor of Eastwood. There's so many good shows. Yeah, it's, it's it's really good. It's about a detective 
and her life, she's a mess, mm-hmm. but her life background is a super mess, and then Ooh. trying to figure out who killed all these people. Ah. It's, it's really well done. What cool. uh, what uh, streaming service? I think it's on Netflix. Okay. Anybody of note in it? Yes. Uh, I, I'm blowing it right now. Yeah, Kate uh, Winslet is the main Oh, Ooh, yes. I love Kate Winslet. And then everyone else I didn't really. Uh, huh. Jean Smart. She is like a, you'd know her face when you saw her. Okay, I'm like, that name But anyway, sounds... it's, we're watching it. It's amazing. Cool. Okay. Yeah, bye. Bye. Back, back in my day, you just say Channel 6. <laughs> I am watching, oh, that, um, oh, God, Jennifer Coolidge and um, the guy from Treme that we love. Hmm. You know, um, uh, you know, the. Steve Zahn? Yes. Is it Zahn or Zane? I thought it was Steve Zane. Steve Zane. Maybe Zane. Zane. Um, oh, my God. What is it called? White Lotus. Oh, it yeah. It is really, really good. It's really funny. Okay, cool. Really funny. I dig it. Very highbrow. Jennifer Coolidge's character is fucking nuts, and it's amazing. <laughs> She's such a good comedic actress. She's great. And mm-hmm. I love, I mean, I don't know anything about her. Yeah. Like, if you ask me, oh, what's she been? And I'm like, I don't know, everything? She's just kind of she, one of those people who just pops up all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. But of course, I remember her from Legally Blonde. Mm. And I remember thinking then, and I think it now, like, she just owns who she is, how she looks. I love that it doesn't seem like she's given into Hollywood pressure of like, lose weight, look like right, this. Right. She's just like, no, like, this is who I, I think she's gorgeous. Mm-hmm, she has mm-hmm. such an interesting look. Yeah. And I just love that it seems from the outside, it's not like I know her, but yeah. she seems very confident in who she is. And it's just like, yeah, this is it. And this is the mm-hmm. character I play and and isn't afraid to be the nuts person. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, if I was an actress, I would want to be Jennifer <laughs> Coolidge in White Lotus cuz she's fucking drunk, but then she gets into like all the hippy dippy shit okay. and like yeah. If I was a drunken mess, I would probably be her. It's so great. Awesome. So great. Oh boy. Well, I have two tales for you. Okay. But I think we should discuss what happened yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You sent me the video. And oh yeah, my God. And, and so it, did you watch it? I did watch it. And, it, you know, I watched it on the computer. It was it was hard to tell, like, if it was a refrigerator noise or the noise that, you know, that you thought it was. Okay. Yeah. So let me tell you guys what happened yesterday. So I had to work from home yesterday mm-hmm. because the books were showing up. Yeah. And, you know, when they're like, this is your delivery window. So yeah. I'm, I'm working, working, working. And I didn't have any music on in the house. Just me, computer. Dogs, totally silent. I don't, I don't even know why I didn't have music on. That's kind of unlike me. Yeah. And I was working on 109 and 110, gathering my stories, putting them together, editing, all the things. And there's like a sudden shift of energy in the house. And I was like, oh, God, like, I feel uncomfortable right now. And I thought I heard like creaking in the roof or like there are certain sounds that obviously our house makes just Naturally, all houses do, you know, houses kind of breathe, if you will. And we have had new floors put in, so it causes, like, a resettling of the house. Like, there was a crack in our ceiling that, like, our contractor was like, well, yeah, because the house, you just, like, changed all this stuff. And I was like, okay, like, that makes sense. You know, the house Mm -hmm. has to adjust. So I'm brushing it off, brushing it off. I get full body chills, head to cold, head to cold, head to toe, freezing cold. And I was like, what in the fuck is happening right now and i was like oh Lindsay, you're in your head like Mm -hmm. i'm trying to brush it off and i'm reading horror stories one after another after another after another but i'm home alone i'm upstairs there's plenty of daylight like there's no reason whatsoever to be scared at all and then i hear it and i was like what the fuck was that and it's like heavy breathing and it's consistent 
Now, Ginger is sleeping underneath my feet, which she is always where you don't want her to be. So mm-hmm. I'm like, it's got to be Gigi. I carefully like move myself out of my chair, not to disrupt her, and I put my ear right next to her mouth. She's like breathing so softly. So right, it's not her. Yeah. I'm checking my own breath. Like, God, am I breathing heavy? You know, because you, sure. you're nervous. You know, like you sometimes your breath gets into your head, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, nope, it's not me. I'm controlling my breath and I just keep hearing it. Like it's definite breath. So it's coming over from by the fridge. I'm like, okay, it has to be like the ice maker. I mean, the way that things are now, everything is a computer. Mm-hmm, so I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, like my computer has a fan. It has to cool itself. Like I'm I'm trying to think of all these logical yeah. things. So and I go and I stand next to the fridge. Our fridge, we also have a deep freeze. So I'm like in the garage. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, is it like the deep freeze? Is the is it the refrigerator? I'm checking both things. So I stand by the fridge and I put my ear up to the fucking refrigerator. The ice maker's not going, like it's not doing anything. The fridge, the unit is yeah. not doing anything but i hear uh, and i'm like yeah. oh we have a mouse it must be a mouse mm-hmm. but then i hear the like definite fucking breathing so i got out my camera and i'm you know i've got my phone i've got my flashlight i'm looking between like the fridge i'm thinking like oh shit like is there like a bigger like creature like a i don't know mm-hmm. like a raccoon i like i'm trying to what could be so loud that could be in our walls that could have made it in there and then thinking but the fridge was just pulled out not that long ago to put in the new floors mm-hmm. so like what I, I panicked i was like okay okay so i pick up my phone to call you it goes immediately to voicemail forgot that you were recording is we dumb mm-hmm. and i'm like what the fuck so i send the video to liz and emily mm-hmm. liz immediately calls me she's like are you fucking okay what the fuck is that and i was like i don't know she's like Lindsay. yeah she's like that's weird i'm like it's not a fridge sound i know the sound our fridge makes i know like the sound of like the water line going i know like because i've been scared of the sound our refrigerator makes before because i've been like what's that and i'm like oh it's the fridge like easy yeah. i know the sound it was not that so then i'm like okay well i am not fucking entertaining this so i just sat back down and i just like was like get the fuck out whatever you are you're not fucking welcome here get out this is my house and i like because you have to like be assertive i want mm. it to go i don't want it here so i was very assertive and it was like I didn't hear the breathing after that, but I opened up all the windows. I got the sage out, saged the whole fucking house, every window, resalted the doorways, got my crystal book out, laid out all the right crystals, and it felt better. I'm, I was so scared, though. I was, like, yeah. near tears. I have never felt so certain that something wasn't right. Like, right. I just really... And it wasn't, like... I didn't feel like I was in harm's way. I didn't feel like something was going to hurt me. I just definitely felt something was there. And it, I could start crying right now. I was so fucking scared. Mm-hmm. If it was nighttime, if I don't know, if there were other factors, if I had been drinking, if I'd had a weed gummy, if if it was dark out, like it was the middle of the fucking day. Yeah. And it was just, again, and I can't emphasize this enough. I And I feel crazy now. I feel like I know how people feel when they're like, you have to believe me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like. I just, it was not a refrigerator sound. It was not, it was not. I would be happy to fucking have a refrigerator tech come out and like check, well, no refrigerator <laughs> tech, but like an appliance right. uh, repair Re- person. Refrigerator consultant. Yes. I would be happy to have them come out and tell me, and then like listen to it yeah. and look at the fridge. If I want the sound to happen again, I would love it if it would happen again. So I'm like, oh, okay. I worked myself up over nothing. It is the yeah, fridge. Yeah, yeah. I've just never heard it make that sound before. But I work from home 
quite regularly. I have never heard that sound. You said after you did that, uh, you know, talk to it and got your yeah. crystals out that it, that it went away. It so did, that's good. It did feel better. And then, like, I calmed down a little bit and I just was like, listen. Because we have gone back and forth on this about mm-hmm. whether or not the previous owner died in the house or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was, in case you guys haven't heard the story, there was, we bought this house. It was a flip. And the previous owner, it was a, a guy. And then his brother lived there. And the brother was a single dad of two kids. And the the brother, single father, had a heart attack and died. We don't know if he died in the house. We just know he had a heart attack and died. Mm-hmm. Like, at some point, like, his kids came, like, by the house or something. Like, I remember there was a brief interaction with our kids and their kids or something with, like, oh, yeah, we used to live there. Like, something very vague. Um, but it always felt good. The energy felt good. It felt like even if he had died there, there was some sort of, like, parental camaraderie of, like, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is a home of love and it was a happy place and happy memories. I've been scared in our house before, yes, but I've never felt something malevolent. And I can't even necessarily say that it was. It just was scary. Yeah, you just got spooked. Yeah. And if somebody from my family would have called me right then and then, right then and there and said, like, somebody died, or right. I would have been like, oh my God. Like, I would have been yeah. able to make some sort of connection. I actually kept waiting because my dad's been sick. And yeah. I'm like, you know, like, I just, but it was, it was bizarre. And then sleeping last night, I did put, quartz under both our pillows and i slept with a labradorite on the on our bed frame and but it was hard to fall asleep last night our room felt particularly dark last night like i just Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm still a little anxious i'm a little raw from it but it i just i i cannot explain to you how terrified i was yeah yeah and you listened to it. So mm-hmm. now that I've rambled on for 20 minutes, <laughs> I just had to get it all out. I feel yeah. a little bit better just like, um, and, and my friend Emily also, so then later she was out of service. She was like, that was weird. That was not a refrigerator sound. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, it's like, I, I always hate to be like the, the mm-hmm. bet, but it's like, I'm going to be more skeptical by far than Emily and Liz. That's fine. Uh, yeah. That's your job. But like, yeah. Uh, but are you being skeptical for the sake of being skeptical because you don't no, want it to be real? Because no. sometimes that's your thing too. Sometimes it's, I just didn't have a reaction to it. But but I don't know. It was a weird sound. But but I don't know all the sounds a refrigerator can make. Right. It, it did make that sound you said. I mean, you recorded a sound that was like, <sighs> it w- yeah. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, it could it could have been. I mean, it, it is so tough when you're not there. I know. Like, I know. Um, I, w- I was without like, the feelings. You know, I'm just I'm just watching. I'm in a completely different state of mind. Totally. I'm in the you know the middle of like working on a completely different kind of show. Right. And uh, you know, looking at that context, it, it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I want Joe to listen to it. I sent it to Logan because I wanted mm-hmm. to go up on socials. You guys can weigh in, but I want everyone to listen to it. And I want to be wrong. I yeah. want to be wrong. I want you to tell me that like, nope, that yeah. I've heard my refrigerator make that sound before but it's like when a when a refrigerator with an ice machine in it or ice maker in it it's like a particular kind of sound it's like um it sounds like water being turned on and off you can hear the water line going it's not a breathing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sound yeah it's just not yeah i don't know uh, I'm going to ask. Maybe we have some paranormal investigator uh, fans. I'm sure we do. And maybe we also have some re- refrigerator tech fans. So we can have each side weigh in. Refrigerator consultants. Refrigerator consultants. Uh, yeah. So just, I'm a- just to lighten it up, when you said raccoon, which is just such a random uh, animal, mm-hmm. I was picturing like, <laughs> what if there was a raccoon there? But it's it's such a skinny space between the fridge and the door. Yeah. Of course he's making that sound because he can barely breathe. <laughs> also, like I he's, ha- he's a little squished raccoon in there being like, <gasps> help me. I mean, I wish that we could just like, if listen, if I had my druthers yeah. about me, I'd have pulled that fucking fridge out. I would have gone with and just opened the wall up. Oh, boy. 
but like yeah. I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure fairly stable. Um, I also had that thought. We've had a couple stories of people living in walls, and like, oh my god, I was like, be a skinny ass person living in that wall. I know it, it's like a you know it's very narrow, <laughs> but I thought like, oh my god, what if that's just where it sounds like it's coming from? But what if it's coming from somewhere else? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. There's yeah, there's like a few other things that I think just make me like a little bit anxious. Like there is a crack in our ceiling that like was repaired, and then it came back, and now it's been repaired again, mm-hmm. and I'm like which I keep meaning to talk to you about. And now there's there's a water spot on the ceiling in the living room where I'm like, oh, God bless. There's been flies in our house. You had that weird thing in our bedroom. It's like, do I take all of the things and put it together and let my mind go wild, mm-hmm. which I could do, mm-hmm. or do I just say like, okay. Block I, it out. I, I don't want to block it out. You're the one who always wants the fucking experience. Well, Why am okay. I blocking it out? But just I, to calm yourself down. I, I would know. rather like try and think of it as an isolated incident. Okay. And recognize that like, okay, Lindsay, yeah, there's been flies in the house because you've been keeping the doors open. Like in the Northwest right now, there's like, it's like gnat season. Mm-hmm. Those like, aphids. Yeah. Oh my God. The clouds of them. Okay. Like it could be that. The crack in the ceiling. Yes. Okay. You've done work in the house. That crack's been there since the day you moved in. Like I can start to kind of justify the things, but isn't that what people do mm-hmm. when there's a problem? And then the next thing you know, I'm over here screaming, get the fuck out. What do you think? Why didn't you leave when you first saw it? Right. I, uh, Ichiwawa. Ichiwawa. I got nothing for you. Well, you don't seem very on board. I'll say that. <laughs> Oh, wait. I don't know why I got my book. I was like, get <laughs> Do stories. Book? No, I'm Do good. Do I tell more stories? No, you got no, more? no. I mean, you could read my stories if you want. I'm good. Okay. That'll be fun one week. I'll read yours and you read mine. Yeah, flip it around. We could do that for a bonus episode so we don't mess up the flow. Oh, well, that was like my my whole lead in to okay. this. Yeah, it has nothing to do with this story, but yeah. I just, whew. All right. Well, the show must go on. <laughs> Scared or not, we march forward. I'm yes. just going to keep holding my cross and... Ah, okay. Uh, this is this is a great long story. So settle in. Who's your squishy this week? I got the one from last week. Oh, I love that one. So cute. Okay. The story is entitled The White Woman. Official creep here obsessed with all things spooky. Thanks in no small part to what I'm about to tell you. I apologize in advance for the length of this story submission, but the events detailed here took place over more than eight years during my childhood. I submit this story in an attempt to find others that may have experienced what I did or to find information about the entity that tormented me as a child. In the late 80s, I was a vi- I was I can't talk. In the late 80s, I was very young when this all began. Sadly, these terrifying encounters are my only memories from my early childhood. All I have from that young age to think back on is fear. I don't know how long I actually saw things and had experiences, as I have no real recollection of life before these memories. It could have been happening since I was born, and I just don't know. My family had a three-bedroom house in a nice neighborhood. The house was only a few few years old, and neither it nor the land had any history of paranormal problems. The rest of my family never experienced or acknowledged any issues in the home. The first time I have a clear memory of this entity appearing, I was between three and four years old. I remember being excited because I had just graduated to having my real big bed. Being in the 80s, my new big kid bed was a water bed, (laughs) which I thought was super cool at the time. As a young child, my mom would tuck me into bed. On her way out, she would leave my door open just a crack, maybe an inch, with the light in the hall left on. This was comforting to me, seeing that bright stripe of light around the door, and I fell asleep fairly quickly. I woke up to the sight of my door slowly opening. The house was completely silent. The hall light had been turned off, and that stripe of light vanished, taking all sense of comfort and safety with it. 
It left behind a darkness that seemed to whirl like ink drops in water, sending smoke-like tendrils around the door and into my room. A woman with long, pale hair, wearing long, flowing white robes, very slowly came around the corner from the hall and into the doorway. She glowed white. Her skin, her hair, everything was white, and the glow was so painful to the eyes. You might think this even sounds beautiful, but I assure you, it was not. It felt fake, like a mirage, a facade that hid something truly ugly and malicious. She made no sound, and as I stared at her, my eyes began to ache. I squinted and pulled the covers up to block out some of the light. I noticed that I could not see any feet, but she was also not touching the floor. She hovered there as the darkness around her swallowed my room. As the door fully opened, her blinding white figure rushed towards me, and I realized she had no face. Terrified, I whipped the covers up over my head just as my water-filled mattress began to undulate with impact. I tried to scream, but I passed out. Whether from fear or force of this entity, I can't say. Unfortunately, the white woman would become a regular visitor. No matter if the door was open or closed or whether I was asleep or awake. Most often, I was asleep, only to wake up to the, as the door opened. Nothing ever made any sounds. My door did not creak. There were no bumps or knocks. The house was eerily and unnaturally quiet. Just her presence was enough to wake me. At the first glimpse of her white glow, I would turn over and cover my face with my blanket and try to pretend she wasn't there. Squeezing my eyes shut so hard they would hurt, breathing heavily and trembling from fright. She never touched me as far as I can recall. I have no memory of what happened after she reached my bed, when it would ripple and wobble from an unseen impact. I would just snap into sleep, if you will, like she was snuffing out my consciousness as one does a candle to a flame. I'm told that when this started, I began acting up and didn't want to go to bed. I was too young to communicate what had happened. When I did finally try to tell my parents, my mom tried to reassure and comfort me. My father, on the other hand, scolded me for telling stories and punished me for lying. After that, I kept the sightings to myself. This Mm. continued for many years. I could not escape her no matter where I went. Relatives' houses, friends' houses, hotel rooms, wherever I was, the white woman would find me. The same unnatural silence and thick, oppressive darkness would consume whatever room I was in. No one else ever saw her either. She would come when everyone else in a room was asleep. And when I say this happened every night, I mean literally every single night for six years. Even though she never physically hurt me, I was still terrified of her. I experienced this literally thousands of times, and my terror never dulled. It was as scary the last time I saw her as it was the first. And before anyone suggests sleep paralysis, I wasn't paralyzed. I could move just fine and frequently twisted my body and rolled over, curled into the fetal position, kicked at her in an attempt to ward her off, covered my face with a pillow, and so on. I stopped seeing the white woman when I was 10. At that time, I began sleepwalking. I used to believe these were entirely separate experiences, but as an adult, looking back on it, I believe it was the same entity. The first night the white woman did not come to me was my 10th birthday. I'd been allowed to pick out a parakeet and a cage that day as my big birthday surprise gift. His cage was by a window in the living room, and at this time my dad was on graveyard shift and would often be awake up in the early morning hours watching TV in the living room to wind down after work. That particular night, I woke up as I usually would when the white woman came. I laid awake and realized she wasn't there, so I got out of bed. My intention was to get a glass of water from the kitchen. Everything seemed completely normal other than the lack of terror I felt. When I got to the living room, I suddenly realized I had no control over my body. 
As I tried going to the kitchen, which was to the left, I could not. I was walking towards the birdcage while trying to turn around and go to the kitchen. My dad was up watching TV and asked me what I was doing. I tried to say, I don't know, but nothing would come out of my mouth. When I got to the birdcage, I turned and unlocked the window. The entire time, I'm in my head screaming, trying to control myself, trying to stop myself. My dad kept asking me what I was doing, and I kept fighting to tell him things, but I just couldn't speak. When I opened the window and started opening the birdcage, he told me to stop and go back to bed. I did stop, and I turned my head to look at him, and out of my mouth, in my voice, came something or someone else's words. No, this being requires freedom, I said. Mm -hmm. My dad got off the couch, grabbed me by the arm, and led me to my room. I don't remember anything after that, so I assume I just went to bed. The next day, I was scolded for mouthing off and not listening to my dad the night before. I remember being so relieved to be free of the white woman. Little did I know what the next chapter held for me. The next time I sleepwalked, I got up to use the restroom. I'm pretty sure it would have been anything but a normal middle-of-the-night bathroom break if my dad hadn't had been in the hallway. He stopped me and asked me why I was up. I tried to tell him I had to use the restroom, but no words would come to my mouth as I tried to speak, and I realized I was not in control of my own body again. My dad told me to go back to bed, and again I tried to tell him I just had used the restroom. I was yelling the words in my own head, trying to force them out, but I couldn't even get them out. Whatever was in control just stared at the door to the bathroom and kept trying to walk past him. He held his arms firm against me in the, on the wall in front of him. For a third time, he very angrily asked me why I was up. And again, what came out of my mouth was so weird. I said, I'm going to change the water. <laughs> my dad was confused and again told me to go back to bed still unable to say what I was doing and that whatever was controlling me had control over me I said the water is dirty and it must be changed my dad seemed to relent at that point and his arm relaxed enough that I pushed past my dad and went to the restroom I remember using the bathroom and then going back to bed This time, I was grounded for two weeks after arguing with my father about what happened that night. I tried telling my parents that I had no control over myself during these times. My dad would just roll his eyes and increase my grounding for continuing to lie to him. Thankfully, this did not happen every night. I would get up and believe I was awake, only to be made to wander around my house at night and go back to bed. Each time, I was completely aware and awake, but I still had no control over my body. That summer, I had been signed up for a Girl Scout camp. It was up at Camp Low Echo in Southern Oregon, in the Southern Oregon Mountains, about an hour and a half from where I lived. Up there, all the Girl Scouts and counselors slept in open-air cabins and cot beds. Things were fine until the third night, when I woke up wandering around the woods in the middle of the night. This was new, (laughs) just waking up somewhere as if I had been sleepwalking like a normal person. I had on no shoes, and my feet were cold and they hurt. I I didn't know where I was. There were no cabins or camp buildings in sight. I began walking slowly, hobbling a bit on my achy feet. I'd step on a rock or a stick and almost fall. I have no idea how long I walked before I saw a light and I went towards it. It was the light pole by the main dining lodge. I woke the counselor in the first cabin I came to to help me find my way back to my cabin. The next night, I woke up sitting on a stump by the lake. I was mostly naked and shivering. This time I wasn't far from the cabins and pretty quickly found mine and went back to bed. I was starting to become afraid of these experiences, which had previously just been odd, but now felt dangerous. That The night after, I got out of my cot bed to go to the bathroom. I quickly realized I was being controlled again. I was not a graceless child, but I was inhumanely quiet and smooth in my movements while being controlled this time, creeping around like a ghost, silent and purposeful. 
Whatever had a hold of me made me go into the other cabins, stopping at the foot of each cot for a few seconds to stare at the other girls as they slept. Jesus. I was screaming in my own head, crying and wailing at myself. Nothing I did to move any part of myself worked. I was starting to panic as it stopped and I stared at every girl, as I stopped and stared at every girl in each and every cabin. After six or seven cabins of this, whatever was in control of me decided to sit on the stump seat next to one girl's bed. I didn't recognize her or know her name. There is some lost time at this point as I woke up to a counselor shaking my shoulders asking me what I was doing in that cabin. After that night, with my wandering about, they moved me to the nurse's building near the main hall to sleep. They locked me in at night. I have no memory of what happened, but I woke up on the floor and had broken the little glass panel in the door above the knob. They called my mom, who came and got me, and I was in a lot of trouble after this, as camp was expensive and I had wasted half the time they had paid for. My mom was always supportive of me, but I know she didn't believe me at the time. These experiences haunt me to this day. They are etched into my memory and never fade. Not being able to control my own body was the freakiest thing I have ever experienced. Being fully aware of my surroundings, but knowing that something else was with me, inside me, using me. It's chilling. What was that entity that presented itself as the white woman? Is it what took control over me as well? What was it looking for at Camp Low Echo? Was it after that last girl I sat next to? I doubt I'll ever know the answer to any of those questions. This was not the end of the paranormal experiences in my life, but that's for another time. Thanks so much for reading. And that was anonymous? Yeah, they didn't say their name anywhere in the story, and it was only in the email, and they didn't sign it, so I feel like... Yeah. You know, probably not. I feel bad for um, all parties kind of in that story. Right. Where it did make me think like I was reflecting more on like, you know, your refrigerator experience. And that's what like sucks about those things. Yes. And, and, and if it was the opposite, it would suck, you know. I would believe you. Yeah, you're more open. Like, you'll jump on those things faster than I will. Well, also, you're a trusted source. I know you. I love you. You're not. Oh, I think you heard something. I just like, uh, my my only question is fridge versus noise but I, but i think but like i'm open to like it you heard something oh now you are no i i was the whole time five I was... minutes ago it just seemed like Lindsay. no partly partly and this is no uh, you don't want to feed into it no it, it is a technical thing i'm just always aware of time and i just didn't want to like all of a sudden we have a two and a half hour episode if we just like go back <laughs> like that that was Pete, the, the fans don't care okay um i <laughs> sorry I don't know how real you want to get. I'm tired. Oh, <laughs> like, well, you could just say yeah, you're tired. Yeah, yeah, like that's the thing too. It's like we have so much to do today. That is part of it. It's just like I didn't get much sleep last night and I'm just tired. So it's like I that's never okay. want to say that on the show. It's and, okay to and, be tired. It'd be like a bummer for anybody. But no, like, I mean, like you're If you're human. reading anything, that's it. I'm fucking tired. Pe- <laughs> like, people go to work every day yeah, too and they're yeah. tired at work too. It's, yeah, it's yeah, okay yeah, yeah, for yeah. you. Like you don't have to be perfect. Right. And I just don't always have like, you know, it takes me a second to process yeah. things differently. But I, I will say like, um, you know, your friends are more it's just it's just a personality trait. if i were to show if that happened to me and i showed it to my friends like chad or like paul or something there would be it's just a i don't know if it's more like traditional dude thing mm-hmm. to be like i don't know like kind of like pump the brakes mm-hmm. and just with your friends mm-hmm. and i don't know if that how that represents like more women mm-hmm. but it tends to be like a, an immediate reaction just because i hear the um the part what are marco they called Polos. the marco polos oh my god you know it's it just like Amp, it's like emotional amp up where dudes, in my experience, at yeah. least my dude friends, are immediate like, 
Whoa, let's hold on. Okay, well, in in Liz's defense, yeah. I was like near tears in this yeah. video I sent to them. Like I sent them a polo. I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm so fucking scared. Dan's not answering his phone. He's recording. What should I do? Yeah. And Liz was out running an errand and she was making sure that I didn't need her to come over. She was like, are you yeah, okay? Yeah, okay, like, okay. do you need somebody? I will not go to therapy and come to your house. Like, are you okay? Because mm-hmm. that's how fucking scared I was. Yeah, yeah. So like, yes, it like feeds into it, but also yeah. like that is like a girl thing too of like, we protect each other immediately. Yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it's not that I'm not trying to protect you. No, no, no. But I'm saying that's, yeah. no, I didn't say you. I said like yeah. girls around other mm-hmm. girls. Our immediate thing is like, we come to your defense. Like, what yes. do you need? How do I help you? Like, you're having a bad day. Your kids are driving you crazy. Can I drop dinner off for you? Your husband's at work. Like, how do I help? Women are natural <laughs> uh, supporters. Mm-hmm. We, we um, what do they call it? Circle the wagons really yeah. quickly. That's like a innate yeah. female thing of like, okay, immediately all hands on deck. Because as... In a traditional role of like the home taker, uh, um, caregiver, you know, the person who takes care yeah. of everything at the house. Uh, Homemaker. Thank you. That's caretaker. Right. Homemaker. Yeah. <laughs> Homemaker. Like as that role. Yeah. And that's not about male or female. It's just about mm-hmm. the person that feels that the most. Then you immediately relate to other people who are in that role as well. And you immediately always want like you've been there. You're like, oh, God, I've had days like that. How yeah. do I help you? Yeah. Where dudes are like, oh, yeah, man, that sucks. And then you move on to like, yeah, it's just yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't say dudes. I should just say like primary breadwinners. It's two different ways mm-hmm. of handling life. Yeah. So, I mean, and but yeah, but what I was going to say, like backing up to that, that story we just told from the fans. Yeah. Is that like, you know, that would suck if. If you were seeing something, mm-hmm. and I have a and I have a little bit of a psychology background, so my mind is always there a little bit too. If you were seeing something every day that I couldn't see mm-hmm. and that I couldn't hear, hear yeah. I would believe that you thought you. I would believe that you heard it. I would believe that you saw it. What I wouldn't be able to tell, yeah. just being a, a rational, critical thinking person, is is this paranormal or is this a psychological kind of breakdown of, of some kind? And that's what sucks for everybody involved in that story. It's yeah. like, um, you know, terrible for the person that's experiencing these things, but also terrible for the other people who are like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, yeah, because it's, it's their night kid after night. Too. So it's, it's like, their kid. so I think there's that thing of like, kids get out of their bed, kids yeah. sneak around. I mean, at the time, this child is like, I think they said between like four, like it started when they were four and went on for six years. So from like four to 10, it's like, you, that is a time, like a four year old, come on. Mm-hmm. Kyler Monroe got out of bed all the time, all the time. I want to snuggle with you. I'm not tired. I can't sleep. That's a, that's a parental trope. It's like, yeah. oh my God, shut up, go to sleep, get away from like. So I totally understand that dad being frustrated because it's yeah, like, absolutely. I don't believe, like, this is a bullshit excuse for you not to go to sleep. Go to bed. Mm-hmm. Right? That's mm-hmm. part of childhood. Yeah. But that poor kid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The thing that like freaked me out the most, honestly, was them wandering around at camp. Mm-hmm. And just like, at a, like they even said it felt dangerous, like waking up practically naked next mm-hmm. to the lake it's like oh my god so thank god that child didn't just go for a swim right because that right. could have been tragic yeah Ugh. Yee. Yee, yee, yee. all right well are you ready for one more little quick hitter i am okay so this situation i just feel like i said this before in the beginning this is a scenario we've all been in one person in a re- like you're in a relationship two people sound asleep in bed one person gets up to start yeah. their day i mean this is like our household all the time. Yeah. One person gets up before the other. They leave the bedroom and then you roll over, you go back to sleep or, you know, you're kind of in that hazy in between. And then you think that you hear the other person come back into the bedroom because they forgot their keys or their wallet or whatever. Right, right. And you don't even acknowledge them. You're just kind of like, oh, it must be Dan. You're just kind of like roll over and go back to sleep. Yeah. 
but what if what if it wasn't your person uh, what if like later mm-hmm. you checked in with them they're like i didn't come back in the room yeah we, it reminds me of some doppelganger stories we've told yes yeah. yes oi 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 those are particularly spoopy okay well let me give you this quick little story Hey, Lindsay and Dan, I stumbled across Scared to Death while looking for a podcast with Reddit no sleep stories and immediately fell in love with the podcast and your banter and relationship. Thank you. This story is short, but the experience gave me the creeps. My boyfriend, Thomas, bought his house at auction after the original owners passed away. They were very well known in the community and the man died in the house and we always blame things on his ghost. I don't really believe his spirit is hanging around, but it is pretty funny to say, not now, Curtis, <laughs> if the television starts acting up or our dogs start barking at nothing. Okay, so on to my actual scary experience. Thomas is a tobacco farmer, so he usually is gone when I wake hmm. up in the morning. One day, I didn't have to go into work until later in the day, so I slept in a bit. I woke up to the sound of footsteps coming into the bedroom. I cracked open my eyes and saw the shape of a man silhouetted by the sunlight coming through the windows beside the bed. He reached out like he was grabbing something off the nightstand. Assuming it was Thomas, I closed my eyes and muttered, did you forget your phone again? He didn't respond, so I figured he just didn't hear me. But then, instead of leaving the room to go back to work, the footsteps went into the bathroom connected to the bedroom, and things suddenly changed. It no longer sounded like work boots moving around, but more like bare feet repeatedly slapping against the floor. I knew then it wasn't my boyfriend. I refused to open my eyes. The slapping sound continued until I just yelled, Stop it! Please stop! I was too scared to open my eyes or get out of bed for a long while, but I had to work that day, so eventually I had to get up. There was no trace that anything had occurred, and Thomas said he had definitely not come back that morning. Was it a dream? A shadow Curtis? A shadow person? Curtis fucking with me just for a laugh? I guess I'll never know. I haven't had any similar experiences to that again. But if there is ever an unexplained bang or something gets lost, we always say, settle down, Curtis. (laughs) Love the podcast, and I hope you keep the spoops coming. P.S. My name is Lindsay, and my boyfriend's middle name is Daniel, and you guys being Lindsay and Dan gives me just a little giggle. We also have a similar relationship dynamic, and he also had a creepy, cursed doll named Mr. Giggles growing Whoa, up. Oh, Mr. Giggles. I know, it's terrible. Yee, thanks, yeah. Lizzie. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that would be obviously uh, terrifying to hear, like, and then, you know, your partner was like, oh, I didn't come back in or whatever, oh or just like this, uh, bare feet instead of boots. I know, because there's, you know your person's sounds, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. like, you know what it sounds like when I get up in the morning before you to leave to go work out, mm-hmm. it's like a very, it's the same routine, you know, it's like, get up, talk to the dogs for a second, right. go out of the bedroom, close the door, like, you know, like, you know yeah. what it sounds like to hear my feet on the carpet, mm-hmm. on the hardwood floors, like. Going up or down steps. I'm just picturing like how yeah how creepy that would be if all of a sudden like the steps that are just you know leading up to the main level from our bedroom like you know I uh, hear you leave and then just hear like really slow, oh my like God. a different pace. Oh yeah, than yeah. you're used to. That would be so. And Can you like, stop that? Oh, uh, that freaking you out? Yes. And then a weird pause at the landing, and then stop. <laughs> yeah. I'm already fucking fragile. Okay, stop. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't like that. Oh. Ay ay ay. Ichi wow. All right. Well, do you want to do your Annabelle shout outs first? I feel like I've been going first for a while. Okay. I'll do it first. So you could start. Okay. I want to thank the following Annabelles for supporting us on Patreon. I want to thank Kristen Hester, Jeffrey Wirtz, Tina uh, Jozemba, Corey Adams, Beth Oliver, Elizabeth, Marissa, 
Alice Shepard, Bobby M, Travis Rouleau, yeah, Rouleau, uh, Allison Bias, Jared Duke, Jonathan Hernandez, du- Dustin Dyer, Zachary Kirk, Evan Allen, Jeffrey Lavender, Sarah Bush, Nicholas Hills, John Corona, uh, Gina Sarton, Carrie Urbanski, Carrie Moore, Haley Anai, Heather Harding, and Xavier Vargas Torres. Very nice. That when Nicholas Hills, I just my grade school boyfriend was Nick Hill. Oh, funny! And Same. I was like, oh. oh my god, is he following the show? Well, and I like I. You can search within Patreon, like on our side. I yeah. can search by their name just to see yeah. their email address, like if I needed to contact them. But he was Nick Hill or Nicholas ah. Hill, and this it's definitely plural. I was like, oh dang it! Not not that I really care. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank the following Annabelles: Damian Wilson, Molly Meeker. Brad Johnson, Emily Schmelz, Tom O'Hearn, 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 Catherine Abel, Greg Scott, Zachary Miller, Brittany Herzog, Matthew Collins, Liv, no last name, Ethan Hanks, Anne Sykes, Tyler Wynn, aka Buster Socks, Zebulon Taylor, Christina B, Zombie Cat, <laughs> Colton Brown, Laughter Lover, Sarah Hagen, Bethany Tate, Yvonne Vallejo, Kristen Davis, Ali Ewing, and Christopher Gil- hmm, Girlanda. Nice. I think. That's, yeah. All right. That's feels, a, feels, like right. A, feels like a solid last name. All right. Well, thank you. And then I have the following spoopy shout outs. This one's so cute. To Daddy-O from, from Feifei Butsky Buns. <laughs> Happy birthday. That sounds like a total like dad-daughter thing. I love it. Mm-hmm. To Nicole from Ryan, happy belated birthday. To Victor from Claire, happy birthday. To Mariah from your mom, Becky, happy belated birthday from this Scorpio to my Virgo. And to, okay, now these names are a little bit tricky, and I asked for pronunciation guide, so I swear I'm trying my best not to fuck this up. (laughs) Okay. To Shalanda from Shiva, happy belated birthday, and and congrats on baby boy, Alistair. Okay, nice. Okay, I got it. Does that sound like it worked for me? Uh, that is our show. Thank you, for continu- Thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith and Liz Hernandez for their work on social media. And to Logan again for running badmagicmerch.com. Thanks to Joe Paisley for producing and directing today, per usual. Uh, Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. And Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. And thanks to producer uh, Sarah Finch for finding both of today's stories. If you don't want to hear any more ads, if you want monthly bonus episodes to help to donate to our charities and more, please check out our Patreon. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. If spirits threaten me in this place... Fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. 